Attention sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. America will always choose independence and cooperation over global governance. He's redoing all of these negotiations so for the first time, Americans aren't suffering. It's fair for America. And the countries know that it's unfair. They know it has to change. They don't like it, but they know he's right. The truth is I've never sexually assaulted anyone in high school or otherwise. We did not receive from the documents that they sent in any information or the results of the lie detector test that had been mentioned in the Washington Post. And we didn't receive uh, the notes from the therapist that had also been referenced in the Washington Post. And now, Stacey Washington. Oh yeah, we're here. Hour two of the program, and guess what? We have Kyle Drennan, Senior News Analyst for Media Research Center. He's coming on in a couple minutes. Well, end of the show. He's going to be in the last segment. Um, he's got some new data on how many minutes have been spent allowing Judge Kavanaugh's supporters to voice and air their opinions in comparison to the accusations that have been leveled against him, many of which have been found to be uh, unsubstantiated. And so, you know, isn't it just so convenient that someone who used to hold a security clearance and also told two people, but not the police about this so-called, you know, rape gang that, that, that this person now is coming forward. Person number three, what did I tell you last week? I told you last week, I said, they're going to Herman Cain, this man, they're going to bring out the, they'll just keep trotting out accusers until he finally says, you know what? Forget it. And until they just get tired of being, laid out and I we got to pray we got to keep praying this family has to be able to stand because this is one of those things where if they can make it through this then the work that he's going to do on the other side of this on the Supreme Court of the United States we we have to see the proportionality of it how do we know he's going to do great things on the Supreme Court look at the opposition have you ever had this happen to you where you want to do something and you set your mind to it, you pray over it, and you're pretty sure it's what God has for you. And then all of a sudden, attacks rush in. Everything starts going wrong in the area that you're actually hoping to make an accomplishment and also in other areas. You're, you, things start going wrong in your family. Things start breaking in your house. You're like, what is going on? It's like everything's breaking loose in here. It's an attack of the enemy. This is a full frontal assault on what it means to be an American, innocent until proven guilty, what it means to practice law as opposed to practicing the worship of people, what it means to really choose someone and for the president to have the right to decide who he would like to put on the Supreme Court. Imagine if, if the Republicans had launched attacks like these on a, uh, a, a Democratic nominee. Just imagine if, if people had gone digging into Sonia Sotomayor or uh, Elena Kagan's background. They're both single, never been married. Imagine, come on now, I don't have to spell it out for you. You know the Republicans, if they were down and dirty and, and, and just anything goes and they were willing to slosh around a whole bunch of mud, they could have found a few things, I'm sure. But instead, they were just like, these are his nominees. They asked tough questions. I mean, the, the questions were tough. Um, and then they said, we're going to vote to confirm. You know, it's, this is his choice. He gets to decide. When, he, when these people retired during his presidency, it's, it's his decision, you know, and stop talking to me about Merrick Garland. I just don't care about that anymore. Like people tell me whenever I say something about Barack Obama, somebody will uh, 
will say to me, well, the thing is, that's in the past. It doesn't matter what President Obama did, whether it was legal or illegal. It doesn't matter because it's in the past, which is totally not true. If that's the case, why does it matter that this happened? Why does it matter that um, they, these people are bringing these allegations forward if it's in the past and nothing that Obama did matter? But see, it's a double standard. That's not the truth. So speaking of the truth, there are a few things that everybody in the media has acted as if are common, commonly available to those who are involved in this process, namely the Senate Judiciary Committee and Judge Kavanaugh's legal counsel and the legal counsel representing Blasey Ford. And that is the lie detector results and therapy notes. Um, now, I know some of the therapy notes have been disseminated through the media, but the original documents that would be, I guess, the, the copies of the original documents, what have you, the, the source documents for the accusation have not been forwarded to Kavanaugh's attorney. Here she is on television talking about that on mainstream media. And the shock face of the, the hostess was it was worth it to watch the clip. It was worth it for me. I just I needed that in my day today. And it, it, it totally was right at the right spot. It's number five. As you know, those are statements that were made uh, relatively recently, and sadly, this is an allegation from almost 36 years ago, and there, are, there was at the time no report, which is understandable, but the first time uh, these allegations came to light, as far as we know from reading the reports in the media, uh, Dr. Blasey told her therapist and told her husband, they announced that there were notes and that there had been a lie detector test. Tests, but as I understand it, they did not turn any of those over to the Senate committee, even though they were requested. So the information that would have shown what she said at the very first time when she revealed these allegations have not been turned over to the Senate. So here's what we can do. We can call Senator Grassley's office and demand a stop be put to these attacks and this man uh, and that they have a confirmation vote. Stop entertaining the madness. The, the number is 202-224-3744. 202-224-3744. Make that phone call. Let Chairman Grassley know that the constituents are not just watching, but we're all, we, we all, our dander is up and we are all like, we're upset. We have our little finger out and we're like, what are we waiting on? That is what we are all saying right now. It's in unison. I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten. People are like, what are we waiting on? Everyone's saying it at the same time. They're saying it while they eat. They're saying it while they're driving down the road. They're saying, there's like, what are we waiting on? In addition to saying that, make sure and pray and call and pray and call and pray and call. Let's see this thing through. There's, I, I, I had someone uh, kind of mentioned to me that, well, you know, it, we're, we're fighting and, and we are, we may be fighting, but the fight is, it's a, it's a prayer battle. And I know that sounds a little weird because you know, this, these are happening in real time. And, and obviously I want Chairman Grassley and I, I, I don't think he's doing badly. I mean, considering who he's working with and the other Democrats on the panel, but I do think there's a moment where you say, okay, that's enough. We've all been there as parents. We've all been there in relationships. You say that's enough. And at that point, you're done with the nonsense. You want to just, you know, let's have something substantial go on here and let's make some decisions and move on. And that's what needs to happen here. They're going to continue to have accusers come out of the woodwork. So the question really is, do you have uh, the desire to go on? The Democrats can keep bringing accusers forward until the cows come home, as my grandma used to say, or until 2020, which they'd be happy to do that. They'd be oh so happy to do that. But don't we have a Supreme Court that's coming into session on Monday? 
have the vote. And then make sure people know, you know, yeah, the midterms aren't coming around for, by accident. Have the vote. Make, make something happen. Um, so the Kavanaugh attorney had a couple more things to say. And then I want to go over this. One of the best journalists out there, Kimberly Strassel, she had this thread where she explained about Ramirez's allegations and how they've been unsubstantiated and how Ramirez is actually giving the Senate Judiciary Committee the runaround because she promised to provide some information to them and she just won't give it to them. So first, let's listen to the remainder of Kavanaugh's attorney, and then I'm going to give you this info because this is what you need to be armed with just to, to bolster the realization. We all know this is a bunch of garbage, but the facts support that it's a bunch of garbage. So we might as well know those as well. It's number six. As far as I know, last night when the information was sent in, we all received a request from the Senate to provide any information, and we did not receive from uh, the, the documents that they sent in any information or the results of the lie detector test that had been mentioned in the Washington Post, and we didn't receive uh, the notes from the therapist that had also been referenced in the Washington Post. And of course, that's very important because apparently in those notes, there's a differing story about how many people were present at the party. There's no of Judge Kavanaugh. And so all that information would be very important to determine, you know, whether there's any corroboration. So this is from mid, like last night bedtime. Kimberly Strassel sends out this series of tweets and she has it in a thread so you can see it. Thousands of retweets. It's really, it's, it's fantastic information. As I was reading over it right like in the middle of the night. Uh, well, it was more like 6.30. I was reading and I'm thinking, what? So, you know, Ramirez, Deborah Ramirez is the second accuser. And she says, so Deborah Ramirez's attorney, John Clune, went on CNN's Anderson Cooper 360, and this was last night. In the interview, he accuses the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Republicans of game playing by majority party with regards to the testimony that Ramirez wants to provide. But emails have gone back and forth and they're a part of the public record and Kimberly Strassel read them all. So she says the first majority email goes on Sunday, September 23rd, two days ago, hours from when New Yorker story runs at 7.43 p.m. It goes to attorneys, notes the story, asks when a Ramirez is available for an interview. The She's determined to the, the so the senators who sent this this email said we're determined to take her statement and investigate further. So this idea that the Republicans don't want to investigate or that they don't want to know what these accusers are, are talking about is utter lies. OK. At 1030 p.m., a Ramirez attorney says she'll get back. The, the attorney says get back. Um, it's actually a man, John Clune. But then on Monday at 3 p.m., Ramirez attorney says. She wants the FBI to investigate, not senators. She might be open to being interviewed in person, though only on appropriate terms that she sets. Attorneys suggest that they call and discuss it on Tuesday. I remember today's Wednesday, so bear with me here. So a few minutes later, the majority says, thanks. Thanks for replying. Republicans now. The Republicans are asking, can Ramirez provide evidence or do you have a statement that you're willing to provide? In other words, can your attorney type up a statement from you to provide to us so we can begin the process of investigating your claim? She says uh, that the attorney says, well, we want to have a phone call about it, but not right now. Remember, this is more than 24 hours after the initial communication. Majority says before next steps, the phone call, 
Do you have anything that you'd like to submit? This is the third time that the Republicans, all men on the committee, are asking this woman, Ramirez, through her attorney, do you have any evidence or testimony that you'd like to provide? Give us something, please. We saw your story in The New Yorker. We want to investigate. This evening, she says, attorneys refer to the New Yorker article as evidence. An article about something you told somebody is not evidence, but on we go. She demands an investigation, says, the, the attorney says, my client won't talk before more details of whatever pro- process you're contemplating are made known. This is still Monday night. So the majority instantly replies back to this email that they welcome any evidence in form of an email or a letter to the chairman or ranking member or same from counsel, a statement to committee investigators. This is the fourth time they've asked. The next morning. Tuesday, September 25th, Ramirez attorney ignores request again, but says since he hasn't had confirmation of the call, the phone call, he is now unavailable. Now we should talk at the end of the day. What does this sound like to you? I'll, I'll go on. Kimberly Strassel's eighth tweet. She says majority responds again that before next steps, the phone call, they need to know if Ramirez has evidence other than that of the New Yorker article. Because anybody can say, I have a story for you and call a reporter. I can do that. I can call a reporter at the end of this program and I can say, I have a story for you. And that person would most likely say, what is it or can we meet so I can record this? Can I record this? They would take my story down and if they really trust me, which I I know a few reporters who do. They would then run with that story. Would that story then be evidence of something? Or would that be a story that someone wrote about a phone call or meeting that we had? Which is it? Because we that's material to whether or not a person believes that any old person can say this happened to me and that's evidence. Or if you need legitimate evidence from other sources before something can be called evidence. I could get two people I know to agree with the story that I'm telling and that reporter could write about that. Would that be evidence? So the fifth ask, the majority responds again before next steps, the call, they need to know if Ramirez has evidence. This is the fifth question. Democrat staff now intervenes with email, apologizing for the majority's preconditions and offers to put her attorneys in touch with the FBI. We'll be back with more after this. Maybe you've been hearing the messages from Preborn asking listeners to join together to help save babies' lives through ultrasound, and you're not sure how to respond. Here's the story of one woman who took that step. I heard about Mission Preborn just before December of last year and asked my husband if we could give at least 140 Just last week, we received our packet. My husband came in the house, and he was telling me, this is our preborn packet, the ultrasounds. I started crying without even seeing them. Not only were there five babies, but one of the moms was having twins. We were just elated for that. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds, and you'll receive a story and a picture of babies' lives that were spared. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your sponsorship goes to saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Last week, I talked about the difference between the terms liberal and leftist. I wanted to revisit that discussion because I found that it helps explain what is happening in the political scene. The other day, I had someone say that she doesn't even think there's a Democratic Party anymore. I think what she meant was is it doesn't look anything like the political party she remembers when she was growing up. Yes, there have always been liberals in the Democrat Party, but now the left dominates the party leadership. The 2016 party platform is radically different from what it was in 2000. By contrast, the Republican Party platforms of 2000 and 2016 are very similar. Dennis Prager mentions other examples of the difference between a liberal and a leftist. Take the subject of capitalism. He says liberals have always been pro-capitalism, though they've often wanted government to play a bigger role in the economy. Leftists oppose capitalism are eagerly promoting socialism. Liberals have had a love of Western civilization and taught it at most universities. They were the promoters of the liberal arts and the fine arts. In fact, one of the most revered liberals in American history was President Franklin Roosevelt, who talked about the need to protect Western civilization and even Christian civilization. Today, Western civilization classes are rarely, if ever, taught in the university. That's because leftists don't believe Western civilization is superior to any other civilization. Leftists label people who attempt to defend Western values as racist and accuse them of promoting white supremacy. And attempts to promote religious liberty are dismissed as thinly disguised attacks on the LGBT community. Liberals and leftists are different. It is important to understand the difference if you're to understand what is happening in our world today. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Universal 1440, Unbroken, Path to Redemption, the rest of World War II hero Louis Zamperini's true story, now playing rated PG-13. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We believe that when nations respect the rights of their neighbors and defend the interests of their people, they can better work together to secure the blessings of safety, prosperity, and peace. Each of us here today is the emissary of a distinct culture, a rich history, and a people bound together by ties of memory, tradition, and the values that make our homelands like nowhere else on Earth. That is why America will always choose independence and cooperation over global governance, control, and domination. I honor the right of every nation in this room to pursue its own customs, beliefs, and traditions. The United States will not tell you how to live or work or worship. We only ask that you honor our sovereignty in return. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're asking, but whether you do it or not, we're sovereign. Our nation is sovereign. Uh, we're, we're, we have self-rule and self-determination, and we appreciate your comments, but we really don't have time to pay attention to them. Your comments about how we should run our country, how about you run your own country? You know, have you, have you ever met someone that's like that or had someone come tell you, you know what you need to do? And you're looking at them, you're like, you know, you're a hot mess to be telling somebody what they need to do. Why don't you worry about yourself? That is one of my favorite little memes from a few years ago when the little girl is in the back seat and she's a toddler and she's trying to buckle her seatbelt and the mom comes back because it's taken a while and she's trying to help. And the little girl says, no, 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 
she smacks her mom's hand away. She says, mommy, worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. <laughs> it's just the best. Now, obviously, the mom, you know, she might need to help. It's it's uh, up to up to the mom. But the idea, it stands. It's it's a good concept for us to think about. And and the Bible talks about that as well. Why are you talking about the speck in your neighbor's eye when you have a whole beam coming out of your own eye? You can't even see out of one of your eyes and the other eye is obstructed as well because a beam is like, you know, inches upon inches wide. It's obstructing you. You are blind talking about you won't help them. What you'll do is you put their eye out because you don't even have your own eyeballs together. And that's what these UN countries have going on. A bunch of them are just flunkies. They're just, you know, not even whole civilizations trying to tell us what we should do with our stuff. How about you worry about your own business? How about you get a country together? Get, just get you a half a country together that's functioning and get you a, a visa office that can vet people and maybe get together some kind of system for determining who's a criminal and who's not and then try to come to the party. But don't come here and try to talk. Just try to come to the party and be grateful you're in the room. Have you ever been to an event like that where you show up and you're like, whoa, I didn't know these people were going to be here. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad I got to come. And then you're trying to go around and gingerly meet people. You know, <laughs> you're trying to go over. and Hi, Stacy Washington. Hand your card over. And they're like, oh, who invited you? And you're thinking somebody I'm going to love forever because I can't believe she invited me to this. This this has happened to me a couple of times where someone will say we're having a little get together and it's out here. And here's the address. And, you know, um, the donation is optional. Do you want to show up? And me and my husband show up and we are looking around. I'm like, is that so-and-so? Is that so? Oh, oh, you know, you, you're thinking to yourself, how did I get invited to this? Oh, I, I remember now. That is how it is when America invites you to something. And no, I'm not being puffed up. And yes, I understand that these all blessings come from God. Yes, absolutely. But the fact is, these know-nothing, do-nothing countries don't have any room to talk to us or tell us what to do. Yes, I said it. I, if your country is a barbaric place and you haven't even made it past the concrete uh, portion of the industrialization age where the majority of your expenditures are in pouring concrete roads and stuff. If you hadn't even made it there, how dare you? How, how dare you really just sit down, sit, sets and see off to the side. Don't say anything else. We have, the adults have chatting to do. The adults have business to do. And you just get you a country together and then come back to us in 10 years and we'll be ready to talk to you as well especially since we're giving aid dollars to all these countries, all these countries getting all these billions of dollars in aid from us. And they have the audacity to try to tell us how to do something. How about if you just get off of our aid first, then try to tell something like, how about if you just say, thank you? That's great. That would be fantastic. Send us a thank you note, a thank you card, maybe come over here and take some of your illegal immigrants back with you. Just do something like that. I just, you know, this is how I feel. Did you get, get you, even not even a half a country. How about if you get a quarter of a country together? That's where you just basically say, we're going to have part of our country be awesome. Kind of like China. China has a billion people plus, and they don't, they don't have all of their people living in style like we do. Like we have poverty in this country, but in every state in the union and our territories, you have different strata of living. So you have wealthy, you have upper class, middle class, you have working class, which is a huge, like the, 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 the swing in between entering the, the working class and getting out of the working class. It's a constantly moving number because there's so many people moving in and out of it. And then you have people who are living at the technical federal poverty limit. How about if you just get a quarter of your country living above our standard for the poverty limit, and then you can have a chat with us. 
That takes a lot of research. You're going to actually have to figure out what our poverty limit is, what we have as a standard for people who in this country are poor, which, by the way, it means you have air conditioning, a dishwasher. It means you have cable TV and you have a car. That's poverty in this country. Now, I know there are people who are living below that who are also in poverty. But for the most part, poverty in this country means, you know, well, you're not poor. You're not poor compared to people in other countries where poor means no running water, no toilets, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I mean, I know for some people you're so triggered right now, you feel like you're on fire and God bless you. Ice water and the truth is the remedy for that. Get you some truth and get it up into you and then you won't be triggered. But for those who understand what I'm talking about, this is what, this is what the president was saying. He didn't say it as bluntly as I just did, but he basically was saying, you know, we have our own country and um, so we're going to run our own country and you can have your international courts, but it's invalid. And if you start leveling stuff against us, like charging us with stuff, we're going to, you know, cut off all your money and we might arrest you if you show up in our country. So, you know, no offense. That's basically what he's he's talking about. That's what he's putting down. And it's the best, the absolute best. So let's talk about this. It's the secret pot commission, which I sometimes I just wonder to myself if people really understand what they're doing. Like if they even, if they even believe, um, if they even believe that America is a thing, because if you're working for the federal government, first of all, so I don't know if people know this or not, but if you work for the federal government, it's kind of similar to working for any other country in that you can do internal hiring. So you can move around the federal government. And it's really, it's a smart thing to do because every time you move, your time and grade stays the same, but you can get a little bump in your step system. It's a step system. So a step, you would be a GS5, step 10 or what have you. And so what people often do is they, they are where they are and they realize they're getting close to what they can earn and maybe they have a bachelor's degree. Well, you can go and get a master's degree and then that increases the numbers of jobs that you're open to that you qualify for, and then you can move. And so if you're working in an office with a bunch of know nothings who don't work very well and are disorganized, you just keep showing up and doing a good job for yourself and, you know, being a good employee to your supervisor who would then recommend you to go work for someone else. And they might network for you a little bit, but you can move around on the inside of the government. So let's say you're working for the Department of State or the Department of Justice and you hate Donald Trump. You don't actually have to leave the federal government to no longer work in an area where you're kind of directly interfacing with his policy changes. You can say to yourself, you know what? He might be president until 2020. He might be president until beyond that. I just don't feel like working for this man. Um, I'm going to move to another area of government where I'm less directly interacting with the Trump administration policies. Instead of doing all this, quote unquote, traitorous resisting, you could just transfer to another agency. And this works all over the world. You can not only work in the United States and the contiguous United States, you can work in any of our territories and overseas. So you could say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to go work in Germany or I'm going to go work in Great Britain and I'll work there for a while and kind of spend some time sightseeing and really not just being so plugged into the government because I just don't like this administration. And, and that's really an adult way to do it because otherwise you're giving yourself ulcers and you get, you know, you got gray hairs coming in and you're getting ugly. You know, you, your face is starting to get the countenance of someone who you just don't have any joy in your life. These are options. And so when I think about that, sometimes I just wonder to myself, all these options that you have available to you. And instead you choose to hang around um, and resist 
so that you can get fired. Like the one chick who was on the James O'Keefe video, she's already been let go from her paralegal job with the Department of State because they saw the video by James O'Keefe and her supervisor was like, not on, not on the federal dime. You can't do political items on the federal dime. You're fired. She said she couldn't be fired, but there you go. She's gone. So this piece is over at the Washington Examiner. Secret pop policy committee exemplifies resistance inside the Trump administration. So... Everyone's been saying that this whole idea that there's a swamp, that that's false, Donald Trump made it up. Yet here we are, this dedicated band of senior officials in his own administration. Remember, one of them wrote an anonymous op-ed. So if the swamp doesn't exist, who was that guy? So there's a recent revelation that a secret interagency committee has recently been convened by social conservatives in the White House at variance with Trump's stated support for easing the federal ban on marijuana. Now, Full disclosure, I am not in favor of marijuana legalization beyond medicinal uses. That's just that's just what I believe. And, and you know, if you believe differently, I don't there's no animus. I'm not upset with you. I just don't think that that's something we need to do. Um, so. Apparently. President Trump has hinted that he would allow states to forge their own paths on legalization without fear of contradicting federal policy or opening themselves up to law enforcement action from the Jeff Sessions Justice Department. And this is interesting because it kind of follows the same line of reasoning that Barack Obama did as he was evolving on same-sex marriage. He said he would not allow his Department of Justice under then-Attorney General Eric Holder and later under... uh, well, what was her name? You know who I'm talking about. He would not allow the, the two, those two attorneys, attorneys general to prosecute cases that, you know, where states were legalizing same-sex marriage because the rule of the land at the federal level was marriage was between a man and a woman. So this is similar to that. It's been an open secret since the beginning of this administration that many political appointees, including powerful figures in the White House, are staunchly opposed to key parts of the Trump agenda. This includes his commitment to a strong trade policy towards our competitors, his tougher stance on illegal immigration. And most of this opposition stems from the fact that the president largely relied on the usual Republican suspects to supervise personnel and staffing. And that's proved to be a fateful decision. I I know why he did it. The president utilized the same mechanisms because we're talking about hiring 10,000 people, basically standing up a government. He did it with the very minimum number of people that he could, which is around 4,000, but they had trouble filling the slots. So in light of that, he couldn't just create his own system for hiring people. And even if he had the time to do that and he'd had the manpower to do it, it would have been seen largely as a smack in the face to the Republican insiders who he did rely on to bring him staffers. So that's where a lot of this leaking and stuff comes from. And we have to understand it's It's really it's a beast of our own making because our government's too large, but it's also something that's it's endemic to the process. The system is set up so that when a Democrat is elected, the Democratic apparatus, it's like an octopus with a bunch of arms and a single brain, goes in and helps him stand up a government. It's the same thing for the Republicans. They have their own octopus who comes in and helps the Republican president stand up a government. He makes... The larger decisions like the cabinet and things like that, they have to be people who are, you know, open to his temperament, people that he feels he can trust and work with. Those individuals, he's much more integrally involved with their hiring, you know, the the decision to hire them. 
But with that 4,500 to 10,000, how could he possibly be involved with that and still be about the business of the day-to-day office of the executive and so much that he has to do? So this secret committee on weed referred to above is similarly wedded to marijuana, uh, you know, policies that are at odds with Trump's live and let live approach to the growing movement towards legalization. And, you know, I guess in some ways you're like, well, you know, if you're against legalization of marijuana, you might think this committee is good. I, for one, even though I'm against legalization, I don't think it's a good idea for there to be a secret committee of any kind. And again, I do think if you're interested in advancing a policy aim within an administration and you find resistance to that, it's, it's perfectly fine for people to work on you know, things that they want to get done. But these secret committees, no. Resisting the current administration beyond what is within the silo of your job description, no. You know, it, this, is out of, this is out of whack. It's out of order. And that's why we're seeing the kinds of things that we're seeing with the leaks and the mistrust and uh, the different kinds of like the blow ups. I mean, Omarosa's hire was a total mistake. And the ramifications of that will continue to harm individuals who look like her and want to be hired into presidential administrations. But the fact is, she never should have been hired. But it's not okay to basically launch an attack on your employer that you premeditated. It it was something you planned to do from day one. She planned to do what she did from day one. And it puts her in the same group as, you know, this marijuana policy coordination committee who I understand their aim. They feel is honorable, but this is not the way to go about doing it. And so, you know, and I know some people will disagree and believe me, I get it. I totally get it. Um, But I, I, I just don't agree with this. I think, When we go about doing something that's good, but we do it in a dishonorable way, we kind of guarantee that the good thing that we want to do, the good outcome won't happen. And so, you know, many times in the Bible, you'll see where someone wants to do something. And if they go about doing it in a way that's ungodly, invariably, even if they get the thing that they were seeking, it turns out to be more of a curse than a blessing. So we have to do things in good order. And uh, I hope I hope I'm making sense on that one. It's 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 weird because I do support, you know, keeping federal marijuana policy where it is. But I don't think this is the right thing to do. So anyway, when we get back, we're going to have Kyle Drennan, who's a senior news analyst for Media Research Center. Stay right there. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Innocent until proven guilty. Those words represent the core of America's Anglo-Saxon criminal justice system. Those words mean that an enemy or angry neighbor cannot accuse you of a crime and have you hauled off based upon their word alone. There must be enough probable cause present to warrant an investigation by an impartial body. If warranted, charges can be made and the defendant gets to examine all evidence gathered against them. At that point, free legal representation will be provided by the state to ensure that no one has to defend himself or herself alone. Then a jury of one's peers considers the accusations brought by the state and the defense's response. A unanimous vote is required to convict. We must not throw out this system to replace it with the one being foisted upon Judge Kavanaugh. He is forced to prove his innocence without due process 
in the court of public opinion. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Life is never picture perfect. Human beings come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think we're prepared, the unplanned happens all the time. It's how we respond to the unexpected that shows our true humanity. But many do not see the value of every human life. Too many are willing to discard those who don't fit the picture of perfection. Abortion destroys the chance to love and to be loved. We never know what will fill the frames of our lives or how empty those frames can be when we allow exceptions. Learn more at www.radiance.life. Military Matters. Army Corporal Morris Meshulam, final goodbye to a young Indianapolis man. Most here didn't even know. He'd been gone for so long that they had pretty much given up hope. Corporal Meshulam's remains arrived in Indiana. The 19-year-old was reported missing in action December 1st, 1950 in North Korea. And just this past summer, his remains were identified. And my mom told her it would just be a miracle if they found his remains before she passed away. And I guess miracles still happen. She is Morris's last surviving sibling. Still in somewhat disbelief today that all these years later, her brother is finally home. As behind the scenes, the Defense Department continues its process to identify and return thousands of Americans whose remains are unaccounted for from the Korean War itself. I'm Matt Smith, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Last segment of the show. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. I just want to give you a quick programming update for the um, hearings tomorrow. And I know if you're like me, you'll be either listening on C-SPAN on your phone or uh, I mean, I just I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to find some way to connect into it. Um, apparently, according to adweek.com, George Stephanopoulos is going to lead network coverage of the hearing from ABC News headquarters in New York. World News Tonight anchor David Mayer will anchor coverage from Capitol Hill. ABC News senior congressional correspondent Mary Bruce will provide live updates and so on and so forth. What I'll do is I'll put a link to this on the Facebook page. And so the listeners can check there at Stacey on the Right Show on Facebook. And you can find out different ways that you can tune into this if you're not doing, you know, God's work, which is going into an office or business someplace and working outside the home, or if you're doing God's work at home with the kiddos and you don't feel like having this drama in your life, you know what? Good for you. Good for you. I'm going to be tuned in because I kind of have to. I kind of have to do it. Uh, It's my pleasure to welcome Kyle Drennan, Senior News Analyst for Media Research Center. Kyle, thanks for joining in today. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I just, I saw the report that you guys sent out. I was like, well, I knew it was skewed, but I didn't, I couldn't believe it was this bad. Tell Tell us exactly what's going on with the Kavanaugh coverage with the media. Yeah, this morning we just put out a study here. Uh, we looked at all of the coverage since, you know, all of these accusations uh, broke against Kavanaugh. You know, I mean, it's been almost two weeks now. And we found nearly six hours of coverage on the network news, ABC, CBS, NBC. So... 
344 minutes, uh, to be more precise. And out of that, all, that mountain of coverage, only about 8% of it actually focused on any of Kavanaugh's denials or, uh, you know, character witnesses in his favor or any uh, acknowledgement that there wasn't corroborating evidence for a lot of these allegations. Okay. So, and, and I understand there's an agenda here and the media is controlled by the Democrats. And so they are doing the bidding of their overlords, but is there no one in the media who would say, you know, this could be someone I know like this, if this stands, if this works for judge Kavanaugh, it could work for anyone. It could work against anyone who they don't like you or they don't want you to have that job. And so you just find a few people who don't have any morals and don't have any uh, allegiance to the truth. They trot out these false accusations and destroy you. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the media has had issues uh, with this very topic. Uh, you think of Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, um, and NBC News, in addition to Matt Lauer, they also had allegations against Tom Brokaw. And they actually, you know, sort of employees at NBC, you know, people like Andrea Mitchell and others signed a petition saying, no, we, you know, we, we uh, believe Tom Brokaw and, and we don't believe these accusations. So, I mean, this is, this is something that they've dealt with in terms of, um, you know, having people fired for it, but also uh, defending colleagues of theirs and, and saying mm-hmm. they didn't believe the accuser and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, you Total would think, double standard. Man, that's a, yeah. like a, the worst. The worst. Yeah, no, you would think they would be a little more sensitive to that given all that they've gone through. So, okay, Kyle, I'm looking, I'm so, I, I do this during the show. I check in because I get updates from the White House press office and they have just put out uh, a letter from over 60 men and women who attended Georgetown Prep or sister schools that knew Brett Kavanaugh well during his time in high school. This letter directly refutes allegations released earlier today by Michael Avenatti. I won't read the whole text of the letter, but they basically say they've seen reports that Julie Swetnick, who says she graduated from Gaithersburg High School, says that, you know, Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge participated in these rape gangs. And they're saying they've spent extensive time collectively spent with Brett and do not recall ever having met someone named Julie Swetnick. Sixty people say they've never met this woman who claims that she was a part of this party scene when he was a young man. Sixty people, men and women. From So what's the likelihood? What's the overhunter on this actually being covered on any major news organization? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's certainly what we're going to be watching for in the next 24 hours here. But, uh, yeah, given their track record so far, I'm, I'm, uh, sadly, it's not very likely that that's going to get much attention, if at all, if it's mentioned at all. Um, maybe they'll mention it a few seconds on one of the networks, but, uh, you know, their track record so far is, is not making that look very likely. I mean, this is real, um, like if this were a court case, this kind of evidence would be submitted and then the judge would say, or, you know, maybe are you calling any of these people? And the defense, which would be the Kavanaugh side, would call a bunch of these people and they would deny and refute that Julie Swetnick ever ran in their circle and 60 people that would be an overwhelming amount of evidence that a jury would have to consider 
to be completely exculpatory for him. Like it, this exonerates him in, in the world of, did you know this person? Did y'all run together? Was he there when people were raped? 60 people saying no. That's pretty definitive. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, is, it is a compelling piece of evidence that should be included in the coverage and should be put right up there, you know, next to the allegation. It should, it should get equal time, but, you know, they've, they've shown little or no interest in anything that goes against the narrative of, you know, Brett Kavanaugh is guilty. That, that seems to be the narrative they want to push and that they want to go with. It's the one the Democrats obviously ha- have decided on, so therefore their liberal media allies have decided on the same narrative. Mm. So um, I, I think I just want to have a couple more of the details from your study about how often they played the accuser's side as opposed to him defending himself because he has been very open. He's been very available. And now his attorney is out doing interviews to debunk some of this. It's not as if he's holed away, you know, kind of saying, I don't want to speak to the media, which is usually the hallmark of someone who's guilty. He's actually out there trying to get the truth out. Um, have, have, how much media coverage has that received as far as him specifically going out and saying, look, I'm innocent. The, the statements he's issued, the, the letter that he wrote to the uh, two letters, I believe, to the Senate Judiciary Chair and uh, Ranking Member. Well, I mean, yeah, our study found that, you know, this, this covers the uh, accusations from both Ford and Ramirez and his denials of both of those accusations amounted to 14 minutes of network airtime, which 14 minutes was only 4.1% of their total coverage. So, I mean, just a paltry amount of time was given to his explicit, in fact, denial of these allegations versus the just sheer tonnage of the coverage, which, again, I mean, we're talking about six hours of coverage and only 14 minutes total of that, all that coverage had featured his denials. So do you see it having, I know you guys, you, you do all the research and everything, but opinion-wise, um, Kyle, do you see this, the continual trotting out of these, you know, fake accusers having an impact on whether or not the Senate goes forward with the vote, the Judiciary Committee goes forward with a vote on Friday? Uh, you, we'll certainly have to see how things go tomorrow with this hearing. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's very clear with, where the media, you know, the media, again, with the Democrats, have already decided his guilt. They're, they're really not interested in giving him sort of a fair hearing at all. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. Obviously, the focus has been on a handful of Republicans uh, here and, and where, where they, are, they are standing. And, like, you know, they've kind of all said they want to go through the hearing, and then we'll see. So it's, you know, I, I think that tomorrow is going to really kind of determine that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the media coverage is just, it's, it's so incredibly one-sided. I mean, you know, if they had any interest in kind of in fairness or balance, they would at least be trying to, you know, spend half of their time talking about the allegations and then the other half talking about his defense and talking about, uh, all this evidence that's coming out in his favor and trying to get to the bottom of it. I mean, this is what the media claims they want to do. They claim they want are interested in facts, they're interested in truth, they're interested in finding out what actually happened in situations. Well, this is their opportunity to do that, and right now, and so far, they've been failing at that. 
You're so right, Kyle. Okay, so what's your the the title of today's show is you know what's the over under on <laughs> the cat the first Kavanaugh accuser, Doctor Blasey Ford, actually showing up tomorrow? Apparently, she couldn't fly, so she's driving across the country. Which I this is the most ludicrous thing I've ever like. You know George Soros would have put her on a private plane if she wanted to, but she didn't want the optics of that. So this is the way to kind of garner sympathy from Americans who I got none. I'm sorry. I just don't have anything left in me. I've been squeezed dry by these shenanigans. What do you think? Does she show up tomorrow or does she flake out at the last minute? Uh, You know, it is anybody's guess. It seems like she's done the sort of preparatory work that was required. She's put, you know, uh, filed a statement with them and, this, that, and the other thing uh, that was expected. So, you know, it, it seems like she's going to be there. It seems like everything is, is teed up for that. But there have been so many twists and turns in this so far and so many delays. I, you know, I certainly would not be surprised by, you know, whatever happens here. And, again, I think that's another thing. The media should be having some questions and having some skepticism about some of these delaying tactics that have, that have gone on over the past 10 days or so. And you're not really seeing a lot of that in the coverage. So one of the things that uh, our guest from the first hour pointed out, Cassie Smettel of the RNC pointed out that there are cases that are coming through the Supreme Court that are, are you know, that, that, that speak to this. So it's not going to be, it, this is really, this, this means a lot. It means a lot to the Democrats who don't want to see any kind of reversals on some of their key social issues. It means a lot to Republicans who want to see the court return to a constitutional foundation. Um, And it means a lot to Americans because President Trump has the right to choose. And, you know, Democrats don't think he does. Republicans think he does because Barack Obama was given his opportunity to do so. And I think people are just, you know, everybody's fed up. Like, I, I think everyone on both sides are fed up but for different reasons. Um, I actually think that that if she shows up, she brings with her a bunch of unicorns who claim they've also been assaulted by Judge Kavanaugh, and it'll be the first time we ever get to see unicorns in person, like in, in real life. That's that's what I think is going to happen. No, I mean, we are just, we are going to be, uh, we, we are sort of in, in uh, war room mode, as, as they say here. We, we've got people, we're going to be having people come in early tomorrow morning, stay late tomorrow night, we're going to have all the all the coverage, uh, media coverage, uh, examined uh, from you know the networks to the cables and everything. So we we are on it here. We are going to be looking at how the media is covering the whole hearing uh, from beginning to end, and uh, and we'll be writing up our analysis and doing more studies, and it'll all be on Newsbusters. We will visit the website, and and if needs be, we'll have you or someone else from Newsbusters and Media Research Center come back on to kind of unpack all this for us. I'm going to be glued to it, but mainly as I move about doing other things I have to do, I'm just going to have it on my phone, live streaming it so I can listen. Um, I'm just, it's such a shame that this is where we are. You know, Americans really need a fourth estate that reports on everything and we don't have that right now, and it's detrimental to our republic for us to be in a situation where we don't have investigative media that we can trust, journalists that are running around, you know, doing that heavy lifting um, from both political parties. We, people in Washington fear the electorate the most when they know that an active watchdog in the form of the press is reporting on them and watching them. That is when 
they know we we can't step out of line because this will hit the newspapers and voters will vote us out. We haven't had that for, what, 15 years or so, maybe more? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, is. it is. It is a shame. And, you know, a lot of people in the press like to sort of like to tout their constitutional role and sort of puff themselves up and say how important they are. Well, if you really believe that, then now is the time to live up to that and to do your jobs. Amen to that. Uh, Kyle Drennan, Senior News Analyst for Media Research Center. Thank you for the work. We'll be looking at Newsbusters and seeing the reporting as you guys are, you have everybody out ready to rumble. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. Talk to you again soon. Uh, that's the end of the program, you guys. We have, let's see, I wanted to give you guys a little preview for uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, and I'm, I'm just double checking here. Oh, well. I don't see anyone on here, but I know on Friday we have Arielle Davidson, Economic Research Assistant at the Hoover Institute. She'll be with us on Friday. Not sure who's joining us tomorrow, but I'm sure it'll be someone awesome. So you want to be here. Same bat channel, same bat station. Um, Also, you can head to StacyOnTheRight.com or StacyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram. And by all means, if you're one of the people who listens or watches on any of the streams, hit the subscribe button, you know, ask to get notifications on there. We really appreciate that. Um, As far as tomorrow, I just ask that you would continue to pray over the Kavanaugh's. Call that number I posted on Facebook for Senator Grassley's office. And let's trust God to do something big in the way of keeping justice at the forefront. He can do it. We just have to ask. He will do it. We just have to ask. We have to trust him, not be double-minded, and we have to ask. All right. God bless you. Have a great night tonight. See you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.